1: Welcome to a brand new Arscast right here on Arsblog.oleole.com. Hope you're well. Since we last spoke, everything has gone pretty much as well as could be expected on the pitch. Well, I'll qualify that in the sense that results wise, things have gone as well as can be expected, if not better. A win against Bolton, four goals. A win against Braga, six goals. Continuing the theme, of course, with the Blackburn game before that and the Blackpool game before that, our Venus. The beaucity of this Arsenal team is, is quite something to behold at the moment, and even though we go to Sunderland at the weekend, their nickname is the Black Cats. More on that game a little bit later on. When I qualify what I said, there were a couple of incidents on the pitch, of course, that were didn't go quite as well as the result, but they weren't necessarily unexpected, given the fact that we were playing Bolton. Um, we'll come to those in, in just a couple of moments time. But just to tell you what else is on the show, we've got Arshavin, we've got Internet Joe along in a moment, and today, a true 100% Arsenal legend, an interview with him coming up very shortly, an integral member of the 1970-71 team, a man who, when I spoke to my father this evening and said, Gu- guess who I interviewed? He said, oh, I remember watching him, and uh, he was not a guy that you messed with. The same way nobody messed with Chopper Harris or Tommy Smith or Norman Hunter, nobody messed with Arsenal's Peter Story. And uh, he's just released an autobiography, we'll be talking about that and his time at Arsenal uh, in a few moments' time. So, uh, to go back to the bits and pieces that went on on the pitch against Bolton, there was, of course, an element of physical play to their game. And even though Owen Coyle has taken over as manager, he's still got more or less the same players. And when one of those players is Kevin Davis, and when Kevin Davis is your captain, as I think he is, uh, you know you're in for um, some possible pain. Uh, Davis could have had a red card in the first half. He kicked Rosicki up in the air, and play went on so long, I think the ref kind of forgot about it. And then when he went in on Jack Wilshire uh, in a very heavy challenge, uh, he only got a yellow card. And then in the second half, there was a challenge with Koscielny, where he went up for the ball and he came hurtling in because Sheldon was sort of on a standing jump, more or less. And he came hurtling in and the two of them clashed heads. And I think if you're that late for a tackle on the ground, you're going to get a second yellow. I don't believe he went in to clash heads with him because even the biggest spa in the world knows that when you clash heads with somebody, it really, really hurts. It just shows you what kind of a guy Davis is. He, He sort of head butted him with the front of his head and then went around holding the back of his head. And then there was the Robinson Diaby tackle, and that annoyed me for a couple of reasons. Um, Having sat through Stuart Robson's commentary on Satanta for most of the game and having to put up with what I felt were fairly anti-Arsenal comments from him, given the fact that he is employed by Arsenal to commentate on Arsenal games. I'm not saying he shouldn't be impartial. Of course, he should be when he's working for somebody else. But it went a little bit too far. It was a bit snide. It was a bit past remarkable about Arsene Wenger and about Cesc Fabregas, his comment about how, well, if Arsene Wenger complains about teams going in physical, uh, well, you can't blame them for going in physical. It's all Arsene Wenger's fault for talking about it, which was a bit annoying. But the Robinson tackle on Diaby was a shocker. Diaby's a very lucky boy not to have his legs seriously broken for the second time. And what annoyed a lot of people, of course, was there was no real coverage of it. Nothing in many of the match reports. There was nothing on match of the day. It wasn't shown over and over again like the Gallas tackle last season on Bolton's Mark Davis. And I've got no problem because that was a bad tackle. And if people want to show them over and over again to, you know, make an example of somebody, then fine. But do it for everybody. Don't just pick and choose when you do it. That's the issue, I think. Um, Diaby is going to be out for a little while. Uh, Robinson didn't get a yellow card, didn't get a red card, and we're in in a situation where uh, serious foul play, and that is serious foul play, has gone unpunished. And the issue, of course, is that if you can look back at events that the referee hasn't seen, then why can't you look back at things like that and apply some retroactive punishment? And Arsene Wenger spoke about it during the week, and of course, the the message got lost in the fact that it was Arsene Wenger delivering it because too many people, even when he talks, you know, they go, oh, there's Arsene Wenger whinging again. And what he's talking about is not necessarily just for the benefit of Arsenal players, even though we have had to suffer uh, more injuries than pretty much any team, or, well, more of those horrific injuries than any other team I can think of, particularly ones that have come from bad tackles. He said it himself. He said, I talk and they go, Wenger, 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 Wenger. I don't know if anyone listens to me. And um, you have to think, unfortunately, they kind of don't, which is a shame because he's doing it for the benefit of all players, because tackles like Robinson's on the Abbey should not be tolerated, not by Arsenal fans, not by Bolton fans, not by anybody, certainly not by the FA, certainly not by the FA who then go to YouTube and try and make people take down video clips of the tackle when they're using them in their blogs and Twitters and all that to, uh, to try and demonstrate what it is they're talking about. So frustrating in that point of view. Um, but it is, I think, um, beginning to catch hold. There were some articles this week about uh, how that kind of tackling and the, uh, the reaction to it has to be examined more closely and how maybe people should just not dismiss what Arsene Wenger says as Wenger whinging again just because it's Arsene Wenger. Because as I said, it's not just for the benefit of Arsenal players, it's for any footballer that has to go up against a thug like Ryan Shawcross or a thug like Paul Robinson. Robinson hopping around, pretending to be injured. How do you injure yourself when you plant your studs halfway up somebody's shin? You don't. It's a cowardly act, and pretending to be injured afterwards was only to try and avoid a booking or a sending off, which I'm sure he knew he deserved. Bolton focused on the the uh the sending off of Cahill. They complained about a free kick in the build-up to the uh the sending off. They didn't complain necessarily about the sending off itself. I thought of the uh the three players who I thought could have been sent off for Bolton. Cahill's was the most innocuous, but you can see why it's given. Jump in two feet off the ground, you're gonna get a red card. We saw it with Joe Cole seen it again with Cahill. Stuart Atwell is no referee, but he got that thing absolutely right. Anyway, I've waffled on too long about all that sort of stuff. Uh, Just to let you know what's going on in the rest of the week, here's Internet Joe. I'm Internet Joe, and here's my 22nd roundup. Bolton at home. Kevin Davis, that's a red card, ref. That's a red card. That's a soft-eyed capital taker. will take it. Robinson on the Abbey. That's two red cards. Match of the day. Why oh, don't you show it? He is Muppets. Oh, we think all tackling is wrong. You should be banned from the game. You get players injured. It's not nice to see. Ah, Valencia. Ha-ha. Braga. Hit for six. Fabregas. You're a legend. Oh, I like cheese strings. Internet Joe will return on next week's Arscast. Now, I'm delighted to welcome to the show a real Arsenal legend. He joined the club as an apprentice in 1961, made his debut in 1965, became an integral part of the team for the next 10 years, and of course uh, was part of the team that won the 1970-71 double, league and cup. He was known as Arsenal's hard man, but he could play a bit as well. Peter Storey, welcome to the Arscast. Hello, Andrew. You've just released your autobiography it's uh, called True Story. Um there's a sense I get from the book that you wanted to uh, set a few things straight both from a football point of view and from other bits and pieces that went on in your life. Was this something that you've had an ambition to do for quite a while and, and how did it come about?
2: Uh, not really no. Um I was approached by someone uh, Will Price and to uh, uh, do a book and um I've been in the process a, few, a, few, a, time, a couple of times before and nothing had come of it but um, I said to him that there was not a lot of interest uh, Will and uh, he said yeah, yeah, yeah so I said well we will give it a go and um, that's what it came about. I had no ambitions to set things straight or anything like that really.
1: No. Right, okay and how was the process for you? I mean was it, uh, I don't know, some people find things like this a little bit cathartic, reliving old memories can be yeah. positive in ways, Was was that the case?
2: Very difficult, yeah, yeah. was very difficult, yeah, because uh, obviously I'm, I'm in France and he's in England, so we we did it over the telephone. So right, that, that made it even harder actually.
3: So,
2: uh, it it was quite difficult, but I um, think it was okay in the end. Yeah.
1: All right. Well, uh, I'm going to take you back to um, yeah, to talk about Arsenal a bit and and right to the start of the book, and and you're an Arsenal fan, and and it was quite. Yeah it was quite early in your fledgling football career that Arsenal became interested in you. Uh, how was that as a as a young guy who had ambitions to be a professional footballer and who was an Arsenal fan waiting um, for that move to Arsenal to become official? Because it must be like waiting for uh, 100 Christmases or something like
3: that.
2: Well, you've obviously read the book. I mean, I was at school, I was playing football shot and farm um... with a schoolboy and... I played for Hampshire and then I got in the England uh, trials and everything, you know, and eventually got uh, into the uh, England schoolboys team, no, I only played once, and um, obviously you get a lot of uh, scouts from different clubs uh, following these games, and um, I don't know if it was illegal or not, but I know I asked to approach my father, who used to come with me to these games, and, um, and uh, it was more or less uh, decided quite early on that I was going to go to Arsenal, if you know what I mean.
1: And, and when you got there, I mean, it took you some time to make the breakthrough into the first team, but...
2: It did, actually, yeah. yeah. It was a while, yeah.
1: Were you always confident that you could make the step up if you got the chance?
2: Not really, no. I mean, the thing that uh, surprised me when I first got to Arsenal was that, um, obviously, I've been a, a school board player, played for England, and... London school schoolboys and Hampshire schoolboys, and but uh, the standard was uh, not the first team players, but some of the players in the youth team and, and third team were so good it was uh, it amazed me really. I thought you know it's, it's, <laughs> I, I found it quite hard to begin with. Yeah,
1: but I mean that's a wave, I suppose, for you to. To sort of improve, isn't it, when you're playing with better players and they set the standard?
2: Yeah, I think I think after about a year, when you start, you, you're doing full, you know, you're every day, you get stronger and you improve, and yeah, uh, after a while, you know, you, you get up to their standard. But the, the first thing, what uh, was quite daunting for me actually, to find the standard was so high. You know?
1: And do you, do you remember your debut um, well? I mean, having relived it for the book, is it still something that sticks in your head?
2: Yeah, was it left. in I don't remember much about it, but um, I think it was in uh, 1965, I think, and then Arsenal got off to quite a bad start. And um, I think Billy McCullough was the, was the left-back at the time, and regular for quite a few seasons, Billy. And... Um, well, obviously, Billy Wright was a manager, and we were having, they were having a bad start. And uh, he he brought me in. It was the way to Leicester. I think we, we lost two or three, one I think. But um, mm. yeah, it was a it was. A, I can't remember a lot about it, to be honest. But I stayed in the team for the rest of the season, so I uh, must have done all right. It's not too bad. So um, yeah.
1: You um, I think one of the things that you uh, talk about in the book is that you um. Gained a reputation as being one of the sort of archetypal hard men mm. in football. Um, mm. uh, I do get the sense because you, you sort of uh, come to the defence of other players who have that reputation. Mm. Uh, Tommy Smith at Liverpool is one in particular that sticks mm. out from reading the book. That maybe you didn't get enough credit for your uh, abilities uh, as a footballer.
2: I think so. Yeah, yeah. You kind of you kind of got to sort of stereotype. I think every every kind of team in those days seemed to have a what, the, what the, the press called a hard man if you know what I mean mm. and, um, and a lot of the players who got that kind of reputation were actually quite good very good players you know
3: yeah.
2: you're quite kind of times as, as the team's hard man and it, you know I'm just kind of dismissed as just the uh, you know the kind of hatchet man if you like you know and um, it, it was a period in the game I think when, when every team had a hard man and I uh, Looking back, I don't think it was a particularly good thing, but it, I think it came about. I think I said it in the book. I think I think Leeds uh, more or less started off when they first come up into the first division. I don't know the early '60s, '64 or something like that. And, uh, they started uh, you know, putting a lot of stick about, it, and uh, I think the other teams kind of followed suit. If you know what I mean?
1: Just while you're talking about Leeds, you, you do hmm. talk in the book about how. Uh, there was a real intense rivalry there. Um, was that because of their footballing ability, or more because of the fact that they had players who would, who would put it about and, and you really had to stand up for yourself?
2: Well, that's what I think both really. I think mean, it's pretty it straight. They have very, very some very, very good players. And um, I, I'm really looking back, I don't think they really needed to, to do the hard man stuff so much as they did. I think they was encouraged too by well, Don Revy, I don't know why, but uh, uh, they did. But they, in their own right, they were very good footballers. Very, you know, a very talented team, especially people like Johnny Giles and uh, yeah. you know some of those very talented people.
1: Let's talk about 1971 because obviously it was a huge uh, thing for Arsenal to do yeah. to do the double to win yeah. the league and then and then win the FA Cup. But in in the book. Um, you f- you found yourself a little bit detached from it because of a, an injury you picked up. You didn't play at the game at, at One hmm. Lane, uh, yeah. and you only played an hour of the cup final. I, I I suppose anybody who plays, whether it's a you know your level or any level, when you miss out an important game, it's a, it's obviously uh, it's quite gutting. But you know, do you feel with a bit of hindsight that your contribution, you know, over the course of the season, makes up for missing out on those games, or does it still sting a well, little bit?
2: I think it, over the season, if you look back over the seasons, you're right. But um, I, I, was just, I was trying to say at the time, <clears throat> where it was the kind of climax of the season for most of the players? Mm. I kind of felt out of it. I mean, perhaps you shouldn't do that, but uh, this couldn't help out. Um, uh, I think if you look back, I think uh, someone like Jimmy Greaves, I mean, he was an England regular for years and years and years, and he was in the England team in the World Cup and then he got injured. Uh, and Jeff first came in, and then Jimmy was fit again for the final, but they left him out. Mm.
3: I think
2: he, I think he, 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 I don't think he's ever really. I don't know if he's ever come out and said it, but I think he really missed. You just can't help it. You, you don't feel part of it. Although he, he was, a, he was a big part of it, and I was as well. You just at the end of it, you know, everyone's kind of you like know celebrating. You just kind of a. I don't know. You feel out of it. Perhaps you shouldn't do, and perhaps it's just uh, selfish in your part. But you just feel out of it. You know? I mean, every, everybody's you know all excited and you know celebrating, but you, you just can't really feel part of it. I don't know. You just feel you just feel uh, you feel out. Of it. I mean, I'm I'm just saying it's very hard to explain to people, isn't it? maybe not being that situation. But sure. uh, that, that's just the way it is. You, you just don't feel part of it. You, you should do probably, but you just can't. Yeah.
1: And and the 70-71 team, given the achievement that, that you had and and, mm. and what you'd won, was it a disappointment to you that the team didn't kick on and win more trophies? I know there was another FA Cup final, but, you know, and, yeah. and a second place in the league. Is there is there a feeling, even when you... I don't know if you're still in touch with any of these guys now, but, you know, that, that there was promise unfulfilled that Arsenal should have achieved more in that period?
2: I think so, yeah. Um, definitely, yeah. Yeah. Uh, why it never went on? I mean, the first thing is, which is not, to my mind has never been really fully explained. I mean, just after a few, I don't know how long a month after them, we won the double. The coach walked out. I mean, Don Howe walked mm-hmm. out. He took the physio with him. He took the youth team coach. Um, why that was, I don't. We don't. I've, I've never seen a no, uh, proper explanation for that. There must be some reason. Um, And uh, I think that was a a big part of it. And uh, uh, I've got to say, I mean, I don't want to... They brought Alan Ball next uh, next season. And uh, on a personal level, he was a very... I mean, I shared a room with him eventually. At first I got dropped when he first came, but eventually I got back into the team. And I shared a room with him for two or three seasons or several seasons until eventually all, all went but um, on a personal level I got on very well with him but uh, uh, I think him coming he was, a, he was a very good player maybe even a great player I don't think he really fitted in with Arsenal if you know what I mean mm. um, because before that we'd all kind of move about and uh, different positions depending on who we were playing but when, when Alan Ball came he was a he was kind of a little little man with a big ego, you know, mm. and he wanted to be the star. He, he, he had to be. It was just him, and he, and ten others, if you know what I mean. Right. And everything everybody else had to fit in around him.
3: Uh,
1: there was an but, issue with money as well, wasn't there, with with ball?
2: There was a there was a big issue with money because um, with with Bertie May, when he first taken over the team, we, we were all on. I, don't know, I suppose. Relatively quite low wages, but big big bonuses, you know. And he he said before Alan Ball came, when we won the double, I didn't go in there, but a few of the players went in and wanted more.
0: Raise your hand if you'd like to bid farewell to 2020. Now use that same hand to celebrate the new year with Drizzly, the number one app for alcohol delivery. Drizzly lets you compare prices from local liquor stores on a huge selection of beer, wine, and spirits. Then get them delivered right to your door in under 60 minutes. And right now, Drizzly is giving all new customers $5 off their first order. Just enter promo code You at checkout. Download the Drizzly app or go to drizzly.com. That's D R-I-Z-L-Y.com. This holiday season, treat yourself. Treat yourself to candy.
2: And he said, no, 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 it's going to stay the same. It'll always be the same. And they said to him, well, you'll never sign you know, a big-name player because none of them are going to come on his wages. And he wouldn't have it. But um, anyway, Alan Ball came before Christmas, and uh, within a few weeks, everybody kind of knew that he was on like a over-double what we were getting. Mm. And... Uh, you know it's not only football any, any walk of life where someone, you know if you're whatever you do someone comes in and they're getting <laughs> a lot more money and um it causes uh bad feeling. you know
3: yeah
2: and there was a, there was a lot of bad feeling yeah and it, it it flared up now and again when we weren't doing well and then we were doing well it kind of went away but it was always in there in the background and uh Oh, it was never the same, well, it was
1: never the same again, no. And would no. you put lay some of the blame at the, at the the door of Bertie Mee because the bits, uh, you know, in the book that you talk about, and I don't want to give away too much of the book, obviously, because mm. I won't want people to go out and buy it uh, and it's a great read, but, you know, you, you had issues with him and there were certain situations, particularly when you talk about the lead-up to the 1971 mm. Cup mm. Final and you felt it could have been done differently and, and perhaps in, in, in a way his... his uh, management skills weren't good enough to integrate somebody like Ball into the team.
2: Yeah, I, I, the trouble with Bobby Meese is me, he, says he, he took the job as manager, which is fine, and he did a good job initially. I think he instilled, because <coughs> Arsenal <after> <coughs> that time and Billy Wright were, were in not very good shape, you know, and he instilled a lot of discipline and uh, he sorted things out and. He was quite good, but uh, the trouble with means he means he, he'd taken the job as manager. But actually, he needed someone with him because mm. he couldn't do the job. I mean, if the coach wasn't there, he, he couldn't actually take the train or do anything. He he, he was clueless, if you know what I mean. His management skills were okay, though I think he, he got a bit carried away with it sometimes in the discipline, yeah.
1: Your Arsenal career is sort of Uh, petered out as sort of your personal life began to impinge on your football life um but but I mean you spent 16 years uh, at the club uh what for you was the personal highlight given the fact that you've uh you know you've obviously felt a bit detached from the from the double in 71 I mean I've I've sought some other opinion on this and I've been asked to ask you how it felt to uh, to stand up and take that penalty against Stoke in the in the 71 uh, mm. season in the semi-final um you know i suppose maybe it was a bit unusual for a for a, a defender or a midfielder to be the the penalty taker were you ever nervous standing up for those and how, how did it feel knowing that this game or this penalty kick was going to save the game for arsenal
2: the thing is you know penalties it's a funny thing but um you say that about a defender taking it, but actually a lot of forwards won't, don't, don't fancy taking them. Yeah. Because um, I don't know It's just one of those things. It, 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 I'm not trying to praise myself, but it's, it's very nerve-wracking, yeah. You, you take penalties in training and, and you've got the goal and it looks massive and you can't miss. When you, when you get in a big game, especially a big game like that, or you have these penalty shoots at shootouts, which are more common now than they we were in those days. Mm. I mean, you, you walk up to the, to the ball and you, you just kind of think, well, how can I score here? Really? The goalkeeper looks enormous, the goal looks so small, and it's I suppose it's just to do with nerves, I suppose. But mm. uh, sometimes it looks almost impossible to score. Right? So really, you have to just hold your nerve and just try and go through and take it, you know.
1: The 71 team... Uh, played 64 matches in that season uh, and only used 16 players.
2: That's right, yeah.
1: Last season, Arsenal used in all competitions uh, 41 players. Mm-hmm. Um, is it a case? Do you think that uh, players were maybe not more resistant to injury, but they would play with injuries more uh, back in your day? Obviously, maybe they had to because of the, the size of the squad. There's a bit more, a bit more choice yeah, these no, days. No. Do, do you think that footballers in in your day were probably a little more? Um, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, robust.
2: Yeah, I mean you're saying we, we played with sixteen players. Well, yeah, that's sixteen. I think <coughs> two or three and money played a a few games. Mm. So virtually, I think the team was about thirteen or fourteen. You know, um, yeah, we, we used to play with injuries. Yeah, I mean not bad injuries, obviously. Sure. But if you if you had a knock and these days they wouldn't play. But uh, we used to turn out. They used to, you know, expect us to play really, and we did. I mean, whether that was stupid or not, I don't know. But um, <laughs> um, yeah, well, you know, looking back, I think I don't think they really appreciate it in the end. Um, but yeah, I used to play because we wanted to play, you know. Oh. And um, yeah, we we play when we weren't fully fit. Otherwise, you 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 wouldn't get through a season with that many players, would you?
3: No,
1: surely not.
2: Not um, to win the double. I mean, that's ridiculous with that kind of amount of players. You
1: know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you need the big squads these days.
2: Yeah, that's right. Yeah.
1: Um, how do you view football? These Do you watch much of Arsenal? Or?
2: Oh, no, not live, obviously, but um, we've got the French television, they show loads of English games, I mean, we see three or four games on a Saturday live, one after the other, really, and yeah. um, not that I watch them all, but... Uh, sure. <laughs> well, I'm selective, you know, I just watch what I want to, but uh, yeah. no, <laughs> there's no shortage of... Um,
1: football no. mm. And how do you? I mean, how do you view um, Arsenal now? Looking at Arsene Wenger's teams, do you think uh, if you were playing these days, there would be a place for a, a Peter Story and an Arsene Wenger team?
2: <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Maybe I want to, but you you couldn't play how you used to play because you'd be you suspended all the time. So you'd have you'd have to, uh, but you you couldn't get, uh, You couldn't dive in and tackle someone, you know. And, uh, you have to, you know, change
1: change a kind of a technique, I suppose. And there's a lot of talk recently about the the, the physical side of the game and and yeah. some some bad tackles. When you have that sort of reputation as a as a hard man, a guy who gets stuck in, um, yeah. What what do you think? I mean, we seem to see. Uh, maybe I'm wrong because in the in the 1970s I was uh, too young really to remember. But yeah. I mean, we seem to be seeing a rise in in quite serious injury to player that maybe wasn't yeah. the case back in the day
2: no it wasn't I don't, I don't really know um, you do I mean the, the worst injury I ever saw was when the, I think Don Howard broke his leg uh, mm. and we were playing against Blackpool and uh, that's my first season and he, I think most of the really bad injuries are, are complete accidents if you know what I mean uh, well, Donnie was just running through and the a goal kick he came out and dived at his feet and he just fell over them, and mm. He broke his shin in two places. I mean, the bone actually came through the leg. And it was a t- you know, horrific uh, injury. And uh, we had that this last thing last season with that the um, young know, the other boy last was it uh, uh, Ramsay was it? Ramsey, yeah, 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 yeah. horrific injury. And there's been a few others like that. And you're right, there seems to be more of it. But I don't, know, I don't know why. It's just one of those things, maybe I don't
1: know. Let's talk about some of the players that you played with and against, and mm. i me just, you know, ask you who, who maybe were the the best players that you ever played with.
2: Uh, I played <laughs> with, I mean, I mean, the Arsenal players, I suppose. You know, I played with a lot of them since we all, we all played since we were kids, really. Fifteen, John Bradford and uh, George Armstrong, Peter Simpson, and. and John Samuels, all all terrific players, you know, and then later on Charlie George came through, and obviously I played for England a few times, and Mm. played with Bobby Mm. Moore and um, people people like that. But, yeah, I mean, when I was young, I played with Joe Baker, who was a great player for Arsenal, Joe. I think I've said it in the book, I think he was... the only pity uh, for Joe was that he never played in a really good Arsenal team. You know,
3: mm.
2: he was he was a great player. Joe. He, was, uh, I thought he was a terrific player. But um, I don't think he ever realised it. You know, he, he played in I suppose pretty poor Arsenal teams in those days.
1: You, you talk about George Best in yeah. your book as an opponent that um, yeah uh, drove you mad a bit because uh, you know his. His ability, and I suppose he, he probably was a bit of a wind up merchant uh, on the yeah, pitch as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, was best, the, the, I suppose, the best of, of what you faced in England?
2: In England, I would say, yeah. I, I did say, I thought, yeah, uh, of course, one of the best I played against. Obviously, George Best was a great player, and yeah. Uh, and I actually I did play with him for a little while at, full at the end of my career, and uh, I got along with him. He was, he was a very. He was, I don't know, have you ever met him George do you know what I mean? He's very quiet fella, no, never... very very unassuming, you know, and uh, yeah, he's a nice fella.
1: Was was he maybe one of the guys, you know, and, and maybe it, it gets into the, the sort of personal life of things, you know, that, that you, for example, had to get into the pub trade and different trades because, you know, the money in football at that stage was not, um, was not anything like it is now. You've got guys who are earning in a week enough money, probably, that you could retire on after a season, you know?
2: Yeah, it was kind of... Um, it was, yeah, I mean... Uh, we were I suppose, better money than ordinary people, but uh, quite good money, I suppose, really. Mm. But then, um, it wasn't kind of retiring money. If you if you retire, you know, you have a, probably a fairly decent house and um, a few thousand pounds in the bank, maybe. But that was about it, you know. Mm. You had you had to find a job or do something. You know, you couldn't just retire on that kind of money.
3: Yeah.
2: Um, and I think years before that, you know, a lot of footballers used to take newsagents and things like that, and then this pub thing came into fashion, and a lot of footballers and boxers were kind of going into it. Um, it wasn't only me, I think, Frank McIntyre took a pub, a couple of pubs, didn't he? Mm. And uh, Eddie Kelly was involved in a pub, and uh, other players, other clubs, and it was kind of the fashion at the time, no, looking back it wasn't a good idea really
3: <laughs> probably not no,
1: no and you know life now you're living in you're living in France yeah do you ever feel like um, there's unfinished business at Arsenal would you like to come back and
2: no no, no? no. When I first finished first uh, finished playing football I really missed it for several years you know I missed mean, being a footballer I suppose you know mm. um, I really missed it I think uh Part of the trouble, I started drinking too much to kind of compensate, we try and reproduce the kind of. Uh, the highs? The, the high, yeah, you're exactly right, the high you got from being a footballer. But of course, you can't do it. But, uh, now, no, I don't miss it at all. I mean, uh, I, I, I look back, I don't regret uh, playing football. That's what I wanted to do, that's what I did, and I enjoy it. I don't regret anything, but. Um, uh, for several for several years, yeah, I did miss it. Really miss it badly, yeah. Um, but uh, not
1: now, no. No. And and no plans to come back and be a, a no, no,
2: football no,
3: pundit. Or... No,
2: no, <laughs> no, 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 no. I mean, some of the I know some of the players I play with their own. Quite a good money these days, you know. Working mm. in Arsenal is kind of the next day host
1: and uh, Charlie George,
2: Charlie George, and going on Arsenal oh, TV and other things. So, and if I was in London, if I wanted me, maybe I'd do it myself. But I'm over here, and um, I don't miss it at all.
1: No. All right, well, uh, Peter, thank you very much. Uh, okay. Really appreciate the time. The book is called okay. True Story, and uh, <laughs> we'll give it a good uh, plug on the blog and in the in the podcast. Um, a pleasure talking to you. Thank you very much.
2: Okay. Well
1: that was Peter's story. Um, there is, of course, uh, another side to uh, to his book. There's his time at Arsenal, which we obviously focused on. And then there's everything that happened to him um, aside from Arsenal. And some of it obviously wasn't particularly great and getting into the drinking and some of the trouble he got into. You'll find more details of that. And it's interesting reading Uh, In the book, the book is called True Story. It's available through Mainstream Publishing. Uh, You'll find a link to it on the blog today. You can also find it on Amazon.co.uk and probably in bookshops up and down the UK. But if you need to buy it online, it's MainstreamPublishing.com or Amazon.co.uk. The book is called True Story by Peter Story. And thanks once again to him. Uh, Now, before we move on and look ahead to the game this weekend, here's Arshavin.
4: Hello, I am Arshavin. And uh, has been okay week, some good, and uh, some not good. Um, start with the game against Bolton is always like a uh, like fight, you know. We win game, but uh, Kevin Davis he tried to kill Jack, and then later try to kill. Um, New boy, don't uh, remember name. And after game, I go to him and I say, why don't uh, pick on somebody on size for a change? And he say, oh, come on, if you think hard enough. And I say, you stupid cunt. I am not on size with you. I am small and you are like a mutant. So I say, Song, Song, uh, get him. But uh, Song is playing Battleship with Eboy And then we play in middle of week, um, Champions League. In the first half, is um, not so good. Can't make pass, but uh, score goal. And at halftime, Sesk um, say to me, Andre, you have to um, do better. Because um, you are, like, um, totally shit. So I say, oh, okay, you have ass nice, so I do better. And uh, make two go and hit post, and then go for a lie down before game finishes. Tough life being Arshavin. It's a tough life.
1: And we'll have more from Arshavin on Arscas in the very near future. Now looking ahead to the weekend, injury news before the game against Sunderland. Abu Dhabi is out. We know this already. We've covered all this. And Thomas Vermaelen remains out with his Achilles problem, meaning Skilachi. And Kasielny will continue at the centre of defence. Johan Juru is talking today about how he wants to prove himself. But, you know, he's really going to have to step up his game if he wants to do that. Uh, Apart from that, there's no other injuries, which is uh, good news. Sunderland is not the easiest place to go. We know this this time last year. Well, not this time last year, but in this fixture last year, uh, it was the same kind of job, wasn't it? A late kickoff on ESPN. And we lost the game 1-0. Not particularly fun uh, at all, that one. Uh, Nevertheless, we go into it with a a great deal of confidence on the back of all the results that we've had. However, however, I love this from the captain, uh, who is... um, urging people not to get too ahead on themselves because we, we all enjoy the way we've started the season, but it is only the start of the season. And Sesk says, I'm not going to read too much into our beating Blackburn and Bolton in previous years. We might have done the same thing before collapsing against the big sides. So it's best that we just keep going, keep improving, and keep making things difficult for whoever we face. Which is uh, wise. And Sesk's example since he's come back has been absolutely fantastic and always a bit off the pace against Blackburn, but uh, against uh, Bolton and against Braga. He was absolutely sensational. And the example he shows on the pitch is something that all the players should follow, even if not all of them do. Um, you might look at Arshavin, for example. But someone like Jack Wilshire can learn so much. And Arsene Wenger said that uh, it is very, very early days yet really early days. So let's not get too carried away. We've done brilliantly and it's fantastic to see, but uh, there's a long, long way to go and not all the problems that we have have been solved and, and all that kind of stuff. So it's good to know that the captain is going to keep people focused. Uh, All we can do is hope for three points. Uh, against Sunderland. We kind of owe them one after last season. We've got players who are in form, who are scoring goals. The confidence is high. There's no reason why we can't go there and get a result. I'm going to keep my fingers crossed for that. Going to leave this Arscast right here, right now. Uh, We'll talk to you, of course, all weekend and all next week on the blog and on next week's Arscast. So until then, take it easy. Thanks for listening. Cheers. Bye-bye.
3: John, John, go to school. Don't you owe mum me.
1: I'm not listening to any of your crap. What? Don't talk rubbish to me, John. You just don't want to... No, there's no such thing as half Belgian, half machine, time-travelling robot from the future that's going to kill you because you're going to bring about the destruction of the human race. Don't be stupid. What? Just get your uniform on and go to school. Or if you can't go to school, go around one of your mate's girlfriend's houses and in her while he's not looking. I've got shoplifting to do. Verminator. Did you ever hear anything quite stupid? I don't know. Kids these days.
2: Bloody hell.
0: This holiday season, treat yourself...